0: It was a pretty big victorian terraced house with four stories on the top floor was my dad's workshop then me and my parents my brother and my sister took up the next two floors and a friend of my dad's lived on the ground floor to help out with the rent there was always something going on and whether it was my dad's customers visiting or one of our friends just asking if we go out and play the front door was always in constant use outside was pretty noisy too the area was dominated in those days by the rag trade, and the noise of the machines in the garment factories was constant. However, it was nothing compared to the sounds of the Sunday market. Once a week, the streets all around the house were swamped with traders, selling everything from vegetables to linen to brassware to radios. It was an exciting place to live, and a terrific place to be a kid. My dad had come to Britain in 1960, the year I was born. Like so many of his generation, his life had been shaped by the partition of Pakistan and India at the end of the British rule in 1947. As a Muslim living in Lahore, he was spared the migration of millions of others who were forced to endure when they were made to relocate according to their religion. Nevertheless, the turmoil that followed partition affected my dad greatly. The economy was a mess. There were hardly any jobs and the entire country was blighted by the upheaval. He had previously run a successful fabric shop in Lahore, but when his customers could no longer afford his wares, he had to look elsewhere for money. That meant working abroad, and he travelled to Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, and took work wherever he could find it. For a few years he did quite well, travelling to India buying silks and fabrics that he then sold in Iran. Millions of young men left Pakistan in the 50s, emigrating to the US, Canada, Australia and Britain, and my dad would get postcards and letters from old friends telling him about their new lives. Of course, these letters only told the good parts. To my dad, it seemed that everyone who came to Britain earned fabulous amounts of money and lived in big houses. By the late 50s, he was married with two young children, my elder sister Nahid and my brother Azam when I came along in 1960, he realised he needed to provide his family with security and decided he would travel to Britain, despite the fact that he couldn't speak a word of English. We lived with his mother in Lahore while he boarded a boat for Southampton. He hardly took any money with him, and by the time the boat docked, he was practically broke. The most valuable thing he had on him was a piece of paper with an address on it and through a combination of smiling and pointing, he boarded a train to London. From Victoria Station he took a bus to East London and eventually arrived on the doorsteps of a friend's house in Brick Lane. He didn't have to pay rent until he found a job, but of course the work available for immigrants was hard and poorly paid. He started work in a leather garment factory and took all the overtime he could get. I think he earned seven to eight pounds a week and lived on about one pound ten shillings of it. For him, working in London was no different to working in Saudi Arabia and Iran. The aim was to make as much money as possible and then go back home to Lahore. It must have been very lonely for him, and he didn't want to be apart from his family for any longer than he had to. So he saved for the airfares to fly us to London so we could all be together. Although he'd started to think he might spend longer in Britain than he'd stayed in other places, there was still no doubt in his mind that the move was temporary. I'm still amazed at what my father achieved in those years. Not only did he save enough money by 1962 for our tickets and the deposit for a house, but he also started his own business. He had spotted that the market for leather was changing, thanks to rock and roll and movie stars, leather jackets were hot property and he started making them directly for the west end boutiques what makes this all the more remarkable is that he still didn't speak much english and couldn't read or write to this day i don't understand how you can run a successful business if you can't fill out an invoice read the letter from the bank or write a check it was an incredible achievement at home in brick lane my parents spoke punjabi to each other and mostly Urdu to the other Asians they met. I grew up understanding both languages, but my parents always told us to speak to them in English. With the three of us at school and nursery, English quickly became the dominant language in our house. These days, the Brook Lane area of East End is known for its sari shops and curry houses. But in the 60s...